0: RNZ National. It's time for Critter of the Week. I'm joined by Nicola Tookie, who is the Chief Executive of Forest and Bird. She's also the uh, the woman behind Critter of the Week. Hello there.
1: Ahi ah, ahi marie. How are you?
0: Oh, I'm really good, thank you. I'm excited to celebrate World Wetlands Day with you. Do you think anyone gets as excited about this annual fixture as you and I do, Nicola?
1: Ah. Uh... Look, I think there are plenty of swamp rats uh, out there who get um, very excited about that. Who told me, a a journalist I know actually told me that because she was raised in the Waikato near some pretty amazing wetlands, she considered herself a swamp rat.
0: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Okay, you're you're talking about metaphorical swamp rats, not... uh... Not actual swamp Not the rats. actual ones. Yeah.
1: No, because we don't want rats in wetlands yeah. or uh, any other places, second, to be honest.
0: Second of, second of February each year, World Wetlands Day, and it's influenced your choice of critter today. I just also wanted to mention um, a couple of things. There's a, there's a newsletter and a great organization in Auckland called Urban Arc, and um, they have sort of sporadic... Thoughts on trapping in Auckland and um, various bits and pieces. They were telling me about a wetland walk with Ben Goodwin. Uh, He's taking people through Western Springs Park, which a lot of people don't realise still contains um, wetlands. And they're also talking about pulse trapping. I don't know if you've um, come across this one before, but February is if if you find yourself getting a bit of trap burnout, um, they suggest just pick four months to really focus on your trapping four months when it's particularly useful kind of key months of the year. And the um, the mnemonic is ANFA ANFA, August, November, February, which we've just arrived at and April. And I think that coincides with the times when the rats are uh, sort of um, the populations are starting to swell. Maybe when the um, birds are starting to put eggs into their nests. So ANFA, August, November, February, April, Nicola.
1: Uh, well, that's interesting because I saw a, a, a version of it. Same thing, different acronym FAN. February, <laughs> April, August,
0: and November.
1: Uh, but it's, it's yeah. New and for um, sounds a
0: bit like an anti fascist group, doesn't it? Maybe we'll stick with FAN. A little
1: FAN. <laughs> um, also, it's in order from the start of the year. So, yeah, um, we yeah, Urban Arc is great. I think some of our forest and bird volunteers are involved with that, with some of their projects too. Um, and. Uh, Look, I think it's a great idea. What we are increasing, I say we, I mean people like the Cacophony Project and others who are really closely interrogating what animals do Mm. around traps. And we're increasingly aware that actually there are just some animals that will not go into traps, right? And so, trap shy animals trap shy animals and so you got to mix it up a bit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you got
1: to mix it up a bit. You got to kind of one minute there's a trap there, oh now it's gone. Maybe I'll take it that, you know what I mean, and mm. try and see if we can kind of get that pest control up while we're doing it. Always but makes yes, me yeah, um, feel
0: good to know that there's people with massive brains working on solving some of these problems and yeah, you mentioned the cacophony project though. Uh, They're always worth chatting to. They've always got some new idea about how they're going to, um, to make their traps more effective. They're coming at it from a, I think they come at it from an engineering perspective. Is it design and engineering?
1: Yeah. They they absolutely do, and it is fascinating to me. You know, we love our little niches, don't we, in society? We're, whatever we are, we te- you know we stick together. Mm. So we we are. We might be lovely do goody nature people, or we might be I don't know, hunty people, or we might be whatever. But every time I have seen someone come into solve a conservation pro problem who didn't have a conservation background so engineers are a classic. Yeah. You know, you would be working away on something for years and then an engineer will go, "Oh, why don't you just do that?" <laughs> you know, like, "Why don't you just put a whacker bloody hodjoby on it and then and Yeah. And it's like, why didn't we think of that?" And it's because we focused on the naturey bit. So, yeah, they they do incredible work uh mm. the cacophony project at solving those problems. Um and yes today a Party time, it is World Wetlands Day. (laughs) Uh, Take
0: us into the mud, Nicola.
1: (laughs) Let's do it. Well, I'm familiar, right? Because I've been out and about in some pretty meaty wetlands. In fact, I was at a wetland on the weekend and I was starting to get a bit grumpy because uh, my wee short legs are not conducive to sloshing around in wetlands, particularly (laughs) when the plant life for (laughs) me being vertically challenged is kind of overhead. Um, so I was seeing about as much as my mate's dog as we were kind of making
0: our <laughs> way through the wheel But I've heard it was a lovely day. <laughs> same enthusiastic look on your face as a dog with your tongue hanging out, bounding through the mud. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I think Penny was having more time, more fun than I was. Yeah. So so World Wetlands Day actually comes from the Ramsar Convention, which was signed in 1971 by a number of countries to commit to protecting our wetlands. New Zealand, more than any other country, needed to sign it, A, because we've got some beautiful wetlands, but B, we'd also destroyed 90% of them. So we're we're not that tidy when it comes to looking after our wetlands, and the tidiness is probably part of the problem, because wetlands, they're swamps, they're bogs, they're, they're, they're messy. They don't look... You know, kind of tidy, but they are one of the most productive habitats uh, on the planet in terms of the wildlife you can find in them, from birds uh, to reptiles to uh, tiny wee fish, uh, which is what we're going to talk about today. Mm. So, um, And just by the by, we have seven wetlands that are on the list of um, global importance. uh, Ramsar wetlands here in New Zealand. Yeah. We do. So uh, we've got some work to do putting our wetlands back, and uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of farmers out there doing that, um, but we're still destroying quite a lot, which um, doesn't seem real smart in the big scheme of things. Um, so, well, Wetlands Day um, is a good place to start to talk about the Waikaka, or the black mudfish, neo diversis. diversus. Um, we've talked about mudfish before, um, and Waikaka means... Um, Cunning in the water. Uh, I like so that. So these are clever little fish, um, and the name refers to the way that these fish. And, and when we have talked about mudfish before, they are a pretty fascinating um, species. I've seen black mudfish; they're absolutely beautiful. Mm. Um, and and what I like about them, this is entirely from a, a human centred approach, is. You know, you can pick up a mudfish, If you've got wet hands, you can carefully pick up a mudfish, it won't panic because a mudfish can actually breathe um, out of water. And so when times are tough, like they, I don't know um, if it's looking like that up your way, but here in North Canterbury, uh, you know, we lost our lawn at least a few weeks ago mm. thanks to these big, long, hot days. So when times are tough, there's a drought, things get dry, and their little um, creeks and streams dry up, they can actually bury themselves in um, mud or under logs and just tough it out for uh, another time when, when the water comes back. And they can do that for up to um, a few months. And interestingly, you pop them back into water and they instantly revive. Huh. So it's not like a kind of sleepy hibernation. They have to work their way through. Well, no, like it's just add water.
0: They're like dehydrated shiitake mushrooms that you get in those packets, and then when you're ready to use them, you just tuck them into water, and they they burst into burst into life again.
1: Exactly, but I suspect the shiitake mushrooms don't swim around your um, pan. But, More, more's uh, <laughs> the
0: pity. More's the pity. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but these. um So we have. Five species of, of mudfish here in New Zealand. They are related to our whitebait species. So if you're familiar with whitebait, they um they are related to them. But these ones don't migrate. They're non-migratory. Uh, and mudfish are one of our most threatened species. Oh, And just by the way, just as an aside, I don't know if m- most people understand this, but um I think 76% of all of our native freshwater fish are headed towards extinction in the next little while, unless mm. we kind of turn around their habitats and, and their situation. So, you know, we've got to make sure that we look after these wee places so we can keep these wee fish for much longer. Um, So they are only found, the black mudfish or the Waikaka, only found in swamps and wetlands in the northern half of the North Island. So from Kaitaia down to the Mokau, um River um and, yeah, most of the wetland habitat, like the rest of the country, has been lost, and particularly in the Waikato and the Hariki Plains, obviously, because plains make. Good places for agriculture, um, and so they're just kind of hanging in on for dear life. Really, they they have very specific habitat requirements. In fact, they are the fussiest of all of our mudfish species. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, and uh, you know, again, crap marketing, right? Bogs, swamps, mudfish. <laughs> these are actually actually galaxids. They have these sprinkling of stars, sort of like patterns on their backs. They should be called, I don't know. Glitter babies, or something, but yeah, they're not um, glitter
0: babies, <laughs> <was> it sausages.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Um, but uh, so bad marketing because they and a, and a misnomer they don't actually like mud, they want to be in clean water, so they, they need really high quality water, uh, and um. They can actually exist in um, farm drains, and I know that certainly down here in Canterbury uh, we ended up with a whole lot of remnant populations in the old water races and had to work quite hard to um, retrieve a bunch of them before those water races went out of order. Um, and then early settlers, this is one of my favourite kind of anecdotes about mudfish, sometimes found mudfish as they dug vegetables like potatoes out of the earth,
0: <laughs> which
1: I think is pretty amazing. <laughs> Well, <laughs>
0: they would dig up, dig up, dig up fish and chips.
1: Basically, <laughs> an early version of fish and chips. I actually talked to a retired ranger at the end of last year, and he said his first experience of a mudfish was when he was maybe five or six, and he was you know from a farm, and his dad was digging fence post holes, and dug a big fence post hole and found a whole lot of these you know dried up wee fish waiting for Gosh. waiting for more water. Yeah, incredible, eh? Really incredible, um, yeah. Yeah, so these ones can grow, my, rough enough, they grow to about 10 centimetres long, but you can get up to 16 centimetres long, so it's about half a foot. Um, and they're really cool because um, they look like little torpedoes, and they don't have scales like a fish does. You know, they have this beautiful kind of velvety kind of lovely skin um, and and it's all speckled because they are galaxids and so they can be quite tricky to find um, and are super camouflaged um, and unless you hang out with retired dock rangers who have the knack for knowing how to find them yeah. Um, can, can I they ask come
0: out at, when they, when they yes. go when they dry out like shiitake mushrooms hmm. um, <laughs> does anything change about them physiologically is it, is it kind of like a, a bear hibernation type Situation: A torpor.
1: It's not torpor. It's estivation. So, so they can actually slow down their heart rate and just decrease the amount of energy that they need to live. So, so so like a bear sort of goes into hibernation in winter. This is like a sort of summer sleep, Um, (laughs) and you see it um, in fish and amphibians, and they can breathe air through their skin. Um, and Gosh. their skin has this kind of like a layer of like mucus, but more like tears, um, which keeps them keeps them nice and moist while they're you know hanging out in fence post holes and. Bottom of people's gardens, waiting to waiting for the rain to come. The rains to come. Um, I mean, actually, as an aside, when I did my postgrad in natural history filmmaking, that was a standing joke. Was you know, there's always a part in the in the wildlife documentary, uh, usually about Africa, that says, "And then the rains came."
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> Love that. Could I ask uh, you I ask you to rate the attractiveness of the black mudfish on a scale of one to ten? I suspect its prospect to hang good.
1: Well, you know, it's been described as the ugly bog fish and I'm not having it. It's Will <laughs> Willens Day, people. So it's seven at a minimum. Oh, get, get, get your it's Google not on.
0: your job to rehabilitate the uh, appearance <laughs> of these fish. Just, you just got to be honest. you got to say, look, I am, I love it's them. a two, but there's still a hey. lot to love.
1: No, I absolutely um, love them. And by the way, I just I saw something on the gram earlier today from uh, one of New Zealand's really cool artists who is creating a calendar for next year called A Curiosity of Critters, I think. And it's entirely based on her listening to us for the last 10 oh, years. How wicked. cool is that?
0: We'll give it a plug when it comes yeah. out. Nicola Tookie, thanks so much. Thanks, Jesse. And you can take a look at the black mudfish waikaka yourself on the RNZ website. Time now for the panel. Have a great long weekend. Longish weekend. Have a great weekend.